0: Hey everyone, I'm Sarah James, a beauty blogger and self-help aficionado. And I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about two women trying to tackle better self-care. We are both of the opinion that self-care is important, and yet we find it elusive. And while we may have all the info we need, we don't always get there. From the silly to the serious, we are taking a vulnerable yet humorous look at body, mind, and spirit and maybe a touch of the random, all while looking at the distractions and defenses that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. All right. Hey, guys. This is Kristen, and I am here with Claire Gilgeist, who is our new bi-weekly co-host. Yes. (laughs) Bi-weekly is confusing, though. Does bi-weekly mean every other week or it does?
1: Twice a month. Twice a month.
0: Yes. Anyway, you you will be with us every other week. Yes. Um, so I wanted to do a quick introduction of Claire. She is a licensed esthetician, and if you are a regular listener, you've probably heard her come on and talk about many, many procedures. The famous Vajacial. Oh, yes. you Yes, you may know her um, from her Vajacial. I mean,
1: that's how most people know me. <laughs> <laughs> so, the that's how you're known lady. at school. Yeah. Yeah. Might, at the elementary school our kids yes. go to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: Oh, oh, the Vajacial lady. Yeah. The Vajacial okay. lady. Um, But in addition to that, she also has a company that does home organization. I do. She will come in and Marie Kondo your house. Without shame. Without shame.
1: You did it to me. We did. In my kitchen. A few months ago, we, you know, Kristen had probably every plastic container known to man. I had many Tupperwares and I... But I think my real area of shame, my real pain point, was my spices. Your spices and your tea addiction. (laughs) All of the tea. Like, just so your listeners know, like, you have two Uh dedicated tea drawers.
0: Two drawers of tea. (laughs) Yes. I do. And
1: I have them in drawers so
0: that when people come over and I say, would you like tea, I open them with Flourish. Yes. And I, like, present the teas. But
1: you're not the only one because... This has become a family. Thing oh, the now girls too.
0: drink the teas too. Yeah,
1: can they too? Yeah, they all drink tea. Yeah. yeah, we're we're a tea drinking
0: family. You are. I don't do coffee. Did I tell you the story of the tea with my Japanese foreign exchange students? No, no, no. Okay, so I offered them tea. I had four Japanese foreign exchange students for like a week, and I offered them tea. Open the drawer, not paying a bit of attention. Open the drawer, and I walk away and I let them choose their tea. I come back to four. Fully drunk mugs of smooth mood, (laughs) which is a laxative tea.
2: Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then I then I had that sticky, like, moral dilemma of, like, do I tell them they just drank a laxative tea or do I just let them find that Let out? them
1: think they have food poisoning.
0: And I, you know what? I did not tell them because <laughs> they spoke no English. So they couldn't read what the tea was.
1: And, you know, India could have gone on to Google Translate, but that would have been a really awkward conversation. Well, and I'm
0: thinking, like, do I mime this? <laughs> do I mime you're going to have explosive diarrhea?
1: Do you give them a flat of toilet paper in a thumbs up i know
0: cuz let me tell you this this traditional medicinals smooth move tea which i will link up in the show notes is no joke.
1: It's. I used it when I was pregnant, and you know, like when you're pregnant, you go through the whole constipation right. period, yeah. and I wish somebody would have told me how aggressive it was. It's aggressive. I thought I was going into labor. Yeah, It. I mean,
0: it will make you poop yeah. and feel sick. It makes you feel like you have, like, the flu. It's pretty bad. Welcome to America. Anyway, sorry, boys. Um, <laughs> oh. These lovely four Japanese foreign exchange students for giving you diarrhea on your trip to America. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. That's so funny. I just keep thinking the mental picture of them, the, the panic. The I know. Of, were they in the back house? Yes. Oh, Kristen.
0: I know. I felt so <laughs> bad. I did. I will say in my defense, I have since moved Smooth Move Tea out of the tea Good. drawer. But all of my kids know what it is. Yeah. Because they don't want to go. There. Have any of your kids ever had it? No,
1: no, <laughs> they're scared.
0: No, but I will say I have one little hypochondriac kid and I have every medicinal tea possible so that when she says like, my tummy hurts, I'm like, we'll take the tummy tea
1: or my throat hurts. There's yeah. thro- throat, a green one. Coat, yeah. throat, throat coat. Throat. Oh, yeah. I'm like Those I'm not... teas are actually really good, too.
0: You know what's funny? I throat coat is my favorite tea. I drink really? it. Really? I drink it every
1: night. I, I Not like, for my there's, throat. There's it's one just, called, is it Breathe Rescue or something like, like that? I like that one, too. That, that one I really like. It's, it's like menthol-y. Yes. Yeah. And there's another one <laughs> called Stomach Ease that's also delicious. You know, I have a very, Grace, who's almost 12. Yes. A little of anxiety. Yeah. It always goes to the tummy. Oh, Even when yeah. we travel. Totally. That would probably be a good one for her when we, yes. when we travel.
0: I mean, I really don't know what it really does for the tummy. I just like that it's a placebo effect for children. Yes. And it tastes good. Yes. So... Anyway, Absolutely. well, Claire, catch us up on your self care. How, how? I mean, we're starting from the beginning. So, how,
1: well, obviously, my vaginal life is going pretty strong. Well, we
0: know that <laughs> we know that, that that's a strength. Yes. But how is self care in the rest of your body?
1: Well, um, I'll start off. I'm a mom of five kids. Yes. Um, his, mine, ours. They're yes. Multi-family step. Multifamily, multiracial. Multiracial, um, multi parent. Yes. And uh, so self care is definitely something that I need to focus more on, yeah. especially when I get to the end of the week and I'm screaming at my kids. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I might need a timeout. (laughs) You did text me last week and say, I put myself in a timeout. I I texted you and said, I'm so sorry if you heard my warrior (laughs) scream from your house.
0: Well, we should explain. Claire and I are neighbors.
1: Yes. We're like five houses away. Yes.
0: Pretty close. Our children are like siblings.
1: Absolutely. And they fight. They fight like siblings. Yes. And uh, they go to school together. We vacation together. So yeah, we're very close. Yes. Um, And as far as self-care for me, you, you and uh, Sarah have actually been really great um leaders in that because I don't know if I was really aware of self-care mm-hmm. before the podcast and talking to you guys because I think so many of us think that that's us being selfish. Oh, totally. And so it's been a journey for me letting go yeah. of that thought yeah. and that belief and realizing that self-care for me is really going to benefit the entire family. Yes. Speaking of, I just had my very first training session today with a personal trainer. Okay, that's that's a big deal. <laughs> Huge deal. Yeah. Like, I am allergic to working out. I really hate working I out. I will make... You and I worked out once. We did, and I think you were mad at me. I dragged you to a gym and you were like, this is horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. It really was horrible. It was like this dark nightclub with flashing yeah. light accessory sensory overload it was
0: and it was one of those where they have you on a circuit so yeah. if you're not running you're lifting weights there's no break you're and they're just yelling like, at you yeah they're yelling at you and I just and everyone in there seemingly looks like a personal trainer yep. that class was crazy and hot Like yes everyone in there was in their 20s and Perfectly fit, and then we walked in and we were like, Oh boy. And spoiler alert, we never went
1: back. <laughs> did not. It did not become part of our self care routine. Well, I
0: went, I will say, I did go for like a week. Did you? I did. Well, I bought a month pass <laughs> like a dummy. And so I was like, I'm Got not you. I'm doing this. And I, like, by day six, I was like, I'm dreading this the entire day. Mm-hmm. And it's become such a point of stress, and you create that it's not worth it.
1: scenarios to oh, like yeah. excuse yourself yeah. from it. Yeah. I, on the way to the gym today, I was thinking <laughs> like, "Well, I'm ar- I was going to be late by like two minutes. Uh-huh. I'm like, well, that's a horrible way to start out. I probably just shouldn't go. <laughs> I just you know I don't want to be one of those late people. Totally. I'm going to miss things. <laughs> it ended up being really great. The girl I'm working with is a, a mom, and all my fears, you know, yeah, were ridiculous. But so I'm working on my eating, working yeah. on. Just being active in general, I've reached that sweet spot where mm-hmm. I can't just like not eat for three days and lose ten pounds. Right. <laughs> so I don't eat for three days and I gain ten pounds. Yeah. Oh, I'm
0: familiar. Yeah. So, oh, I'll do intermittent fasting. Yeah. Wait,
1: Nothing. Or changed. I'll do keto. Yeah. Nothing changed. I'll yeah. do. You know.
0: So I'm doing it the old-fashioned way. Good. That's good. So that's, that's where how I'm at. we all should do it.
1: Yeah, but it just is hard.
0: It is hard. There's no.
1: Like, it's 2019. Like, isn't there a hack for this already? (laughs) Come on. So so that's my journey right now. And just staying accountable and honest. Like, we did photos today. Oh, wow. Like, took my shirt off. Okay. And we just, the whole midsection. And Mm -hmm. there's just so much shame and feelings about this for me. Oh, yeah. That I'm really trying to just confront it. Yeah. And not be a wuss about it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we'll check back in a month. We'll see.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, I think that, you know, what's hard about, you know, body image is, you know, we all want to accept the body that we're living in. Yes. But in order to accept the body we're living in, we have to look at the body we're living in. You know what I'm saying? And I I try so hard to not to. (laughs) Right. Like, I do think for me, it's like, it's not healthy if I am completely unaware of, what my body, you know, what my weight is, what my, if, if I'm just living in denial, that's not for me actually body acceptance. I
1: think that's how I got here. Yeah. I went through about a six month period of just out of sight, out of mind, wearing literally like the baggiest sweatshirts and leggings. And I mean, I ate like, you know, like an angry teenager. Yeah. And I really, I I was not accountable at all. And right. those six months, I probably, Christian, I probably gained like 35 pounds. Yeah. And I'm so used to being able to kind of just tighten it up and it fall off no
0: well and you would be okay if it didn't that's that's the thing right it's like you know none of us have to get down to a bikini body or whatever that is you know
1: I still struggle with that idea that yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's April. I need to get bikini ready. Like, where do I, I think know. I'm going? I do too. Like, well, I'm coming to your house. <laughs> like that's where I'm going. I mean,
0: it's funny. Do you remember last summer we were all a group of us were going on a vacation together to Palm Springs and all of us started fretting about our bodies? And like at one point it's like, we're all together. Like every day. We're going together. Right. Like like why can't the five of us sit at a pool and inhabit the bodies we're in and whatever state that's in of of, you know, paleness or flab.
1: So much paleness. <laughs> and
0: just be okay with it. Like what is wrong with us? And it really
1: makes you realize as as freaked out as I am about what you're going to think about my body, uh-huh. right? One of my closest friends who care like who really right. cares? But it goes to show no one's thinking about my body no, because we're all, we're all obsessed so about obsessed about our
0: own. About our own. So true. And I hate that. Like I feel like at 43 I should be grown out of and I am a little bit,
1: I will say. I'm 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 reaching The summit. Not ready. Yeah, I'm like at this. I'm not there quite there yet. But we gotta get a handle on this too, because our girls are of the age where this is where it starts with them. It does. And if I am talking (coughs) negatively about my body, yeah, and the food choices and whatever, it's going to translate into her self talk. Oh, completely. Just like it did with my
0: mom. Yeah, I do not talk about my body or my eating with my children ever, ever. That's so good. Ever. I mean, it is. It is a non-topic. And in fact, my girls did once say, Mom, why does your stomach look that way? <laughs> and I know. And I said you know what I said? I said, This is just how a lot of mom's stomachs look after Absolutely. you have a baby. This is how many people's stomach.
1: You know, in the this, age and, of this, Instagram. That's like the age of Instagram and the age of Facebook, where all of these people are like, I had a baby and six weeks later, you know. No. Know. But they have chefs. They have personal trainers. Right. They have doctors who are doing a little nip and tuck and suck or whatever. (laughs)
0: But also that's – that is a priority to them. And just to be honest, like, I I mean, I want to be – I want to be healthy and I want to exercise for my mental health, but I don't feel a need at this age and stage of my life to have my body look like a personal trainer's body. Absolutely. It's just not important to
1: me. And that is the shift that I'm in right now. Yeah. Like, we're going to Austria in June. And I was sitting down with the trainer. I was thinking about my goals – and it kind of – the question startled me a bit because I didn't really know. My goal in the past had always been to lose weight. Right. And that's more than that. We're yeah. going to be hiking in Austria for hours. Right. I want to be able to keep up. Yes. And yeah. feel proud of my strength and my endurance. Totally. And when I said those words today, I was like, listen to me. No. I'm like, so mature. <laughs> but anyway, so that's, that's where I'm at with um, that journey and – Hopefully I stick with it. Yeah. And you know, being vulnerable now, telling all of you, maybe you <laughs> all you will to. help me stay accountable.
0: <laughs> and if you don't, that's okay.
1: It is. Yeah. Because you can always start over. Yeah,
0: you can. Or you can decide this personal trainer thing is too intense and I'm just gonna walk. Exactly. You know, you can I do have a dog it that needs yeah. to be walked. Yes, you do.
1: <laughs> and with my job, my job is really physical. Yeah. I'm in people's houses, I'm moving heavy things. Yeah. I'm on my feet a lot. And I could feel in the last year. Just I was getting winded. Out yeah, of yeah. And so it's, it hopefully will have a trickle down effect into yeah. every part of my life. Yeah. So that's my self care journey.
0: That's awesome. Good for you. Thanks. Well, um, I, as you know, finished my book this week. Yes. Um. Well, let me. Okay, I didn't finish the book. <laughs> I turned in a first draft of the book. And well, that's. But it does feel like I at least wrote all the things and I know there will be heavy edits because it's You have mine. emerged from the darkness. I was in a dark place. And yes. we mean, didn't you see know I
1: didn't see you no one for probably saw me. two months. No,
0: I know. I just went to a birthday party of one of the kids' friends and the moms were liter- the moms were literally like, We haven't seen you in three months.
1: I think the last like thing we did together mm-hmm. was the cheese party. Che- oh yes. Like that's the last group yes. of- and we are a group of friends that typically would get a get together at least twice a month. We
0: would. I know. No, I'm so ready. I'm like ready to be back in the game. We're like, is she okay? Should we <laughs> check on her? Well, I feel like it's like the day after I I turned in the book, I texted everybody. I'm like, avocado toast party. Yeah, you emerged. <laughs> I
1: know. And then you had like 40 kids at your house
0: swimming. Well, that's always. But it was like, yeah. we
1: all kind of left you alone for a little yes. bit. Uh, Truthfully, yes. we're all a little
0: scared. Too. Everyone was scared of me. <laughs> I was scared of myself.
1: But what um, a big, like relief off your shoulders.
0: But you know what's weird is it didn't feel like a relief. I actually had one of the most anxious weeks I've ever had.
1: Because you're not used to not having it over over, hanging over you. I think it's that. And then I think it was
0: like all of a sudden the like, okay, I turned this in and now this thing is going to go out into the world. And I've said some Heavy things. things in the book, and the book talks about race, and it talks about divorce, and it talks about you know faith, and it talks about There's- and all the things
1: you've gone through these last few years. Yes,
0: it does. Adoption and ethics, and and there is something to piss off everyone in this book. <sighs> Here, no equal, stone opportunities
1: pissed off everybody.
0: I will offend. <laughs> If you're conservative, I will offend you. If you are liberal, I will, off- I will offend everyone. This is everyone. why we're friends. This is why we're friends. And, you know, it's not like a blog post where you can then, you know, add a comment or explain yourself or delete it. It's Or walk
1: it back. Right.
0: Like, it's all going out into the world. And I think I feel some anxiety about that. But I think you're right. I think it was also just that I was on this, you know, hamster wheel and I got off and I didn't know what to do with myself. It's
1: like, what are you going to do now? Right.
0: I know. Well, of course, I had a million tasks waiting for me. That was another thing. Oh, yeah. I forgot I mean, your
1: mom. I'm just kidding. Yeah.
0: Well, it's <laughs> like I had put off everything. Like, And so what I had done is I was like, my book was due April 1st. I mean, it's funny because my friend Jen Hatmaker had a, her book due the day before mine. And she, <laughs> we both did the same thing, which was we told everybody in our life, everything could happen after April 1st. So the week of April 1st was just a nightmare of like appointments and you overscheduled yourself. oh my gosh yeah. interviews and crazy but, like, you crazy. never
1: you never do that so no
0: it was a weird <laughs> rare thing yes.
1: that i overscheduled
0: myself <laughs> so strange um uh, but anyway yes i'm glad to have that at least, like bulk of it done, and then we wait to hear I mean, about the edits. I mean, people are dying to read this book. Well, I'm dying for there it. There has to been be a over. lot going
1: on with you the last <laughs> few years, and people are dying to get their hands on this, me included.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing is like, like okay, well, I wrote some really
1: personal stuff. Am I gonna like keep that all in? Well, you could. Do, oh, it's not going to be published yet, so maybe during the edits. Right. Yeah, I'll have i I'll get second set of eyes on it and just yeah. make sure everything's covered. Well, and even looking at this thing for however long, right? It's like you need somebody oh, else probably I to look do. at it. I do.
0: Yes. Anyway, all right. Well, what are you bringing up for two thumbs up today? What do you
1: recommend? So uh, I have a twelve-year-old daughter yes. who is just lovely, but obsessed with skincare. I have no idea where she gets it from. Well, maybe my daughter. <laughs> Your daughter is like. Next level.
0: Well, what's funny is my daughter gets it from Sarah James. Yes. Because <laughs> she follows Sarah on Instagram, wants to be Sarah, and, like, I mean. Who doesn't want to be Sarah? Uh, okay. T- yeah. <laughs> and India has this full, like, masking routine. I mean, she's super into she's blowing. it. She's glowing. So, yeah. She's <laughs> she blowing. is. Her skin looks great.
1: Grace isn't quite there yet. Yeah. Grace is an athlete yeah. who is just a sweaty mess most mm-hmm. of the time. And she, we've only started with face wash. Nice. And the product I'm going to talk about, which is the... I always misspelled his name, or i miss say his name. Mario Badescu? Yes. Badescu. Um, rose spray. Oh, I love that The stuff. rose water. It's um, so good. And then we're moisturizing. So we're really kind of just going in slow. Yeah. But this rose spray is fantastic. Yes. I love it. Oh, I love she it. She loves it. Yeah, Sam, my son, who he would die admitting it, he loves it. <laughs> and they have a bunch of different kinds. They do. So, so there is the rose water, which mm-hmm. is just the plain. And I believe there's an aloe cucumber there's cucumber and yeah. then a lavender one yes and they sell them in a great little set and I was telling Kristen before our girls have a lot of friends mm-hmm. and birthday parties can get expensive you're buying yes. gifts for you know three four kids sometimes in a month uh-huh and they have a set um of the three and what I do is I break them up and I will usually kind of tie that up in a little bag with like a, a lip balm or yeah you know some other kind it's of like great gift tween type thing yeah and it's just like I'm the cool mom right Oh, totally uh, yeah. and I, I use it I keep it in my car too. And just like oh, before so nice. I walk in to work or you know, just need to freshen up. It's a great makeup setting spray too. Yeah. Um, and you can get it anywhere. You can get it on Amazon. I you see it in anthropology. They have I've it seen it at CBS. Everywhere. Too. Yeah, it's everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. So I'm really loving that. Yes, I love that stuff. And my second one, which <laughs> this is funny because I do not have a green thumb. Uh-huh. I kill everything. <laughs> Our house is only succulents. Yes. But I have been having some like serious envy. For these Instagram girls with their fiddle leaf tree. Yes. So I got one. They are everywhere on Instagram. They are everywhere. And they're so cute. And like, of course, I did, I couldn't just stop there. I yes. had to get like the complete cylindrical white matte pot. Of course. With like the mid-century mm-hmm. um, stand. Yes. Oh,
0: I love those. It's my third tree.
1: Oh, shoot. They're very temperamental. Yeah. The first one I bought from Home Depot mm-hmm. died. The next one I bought from Costco died. Third one I have, which is a less mature tree. Okay, I got from Amazon, and she's going strong.
0: Okay, well, yeah. Don't you have to like? They can take half sun, but not
1: all day. And I mean, you have to like speak like words of affirmation to it, (laughs) and like make sure that it's not you know in full sun. It's like it can be in. I forget the word. It's not all sun. It's um, like partial partial shade. Yeah, Yeah. partial shade most of the day. And you know most people's houses, the light changes. Um, yeah. So if you're not there holding oh the hand my of your family, I'm committed though. Okay. So it's it's small right now. Yeah. But I've had it now for the last, of, I say, month, mm-hmm. and it's alive. Yeah. So that that's a big deal. That, that is that's a big real deal. big deal. Yeah.
0: I don't know how all of these people keep all of these perfect plants in their house. I'm starting to think they're fake. They might be. They must be. Well, you could you could pull off a fake tree for Instagram. Yeah. I was really trying to like. No, you're going to do this. Be real. Yeah.
1: Well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, between like trying to keep myself accountable, personal training, and this tree. I mean, I don't know if I can do both. That's <laughs> a so that is I don't a know lot. If I can do both, and you have a dog. So, and I have a dog who <laughs> loves this tree. Oh, but I don't know what that means yet. No, like, she's really interested in it. Uh-huh. She's always like, around it. But it's so cute. It really is so cute. I need to come see tree. And I'm kind tree. of thinking like I might become a plant lady. Maybe you will. I'm pretty. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs>
0: All right, well, my first thumbs up, which I have gone um, on and on about on my own personal Instagram, is my air fryer.
1: You love this thing.
0: I finally bought an air fryer. I, you know, I will say I have a lot of utensils, like cooking utensils. You know, yeah. I have the rice cooker and I have the Instapot and I have the crock pot. And so I was like, do I need another? But because I did. they're big. They are big. So mine you really is have
1: to decide huge. if it's something that you're going to use a lot.
0: Oh, mine is huge. Um... I love it, and I have used it every day since I bought it. What are
1: you going to do next week oh when my you're gosh. away from your air fryer? I don't know.
0: <laughs> I will probably starve. Okay, so the air fryer, what's amazing about it is you can pop, like, chicken in there for 15 minutes and come back to perfectly cooked chicken. You can pop a turkey burger in there for 15 minutes. Wait, like raw chicken? Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. Raw chicken. From raw to, like, perfectly, like, almost, it tastes like grilled chicken because the air is coming at it from all different directions.
1: Like, what Kristen doesn't know is I'm going to break into her house next week when she's gone and just, like, air fry everything. Well, you
0: should. <laughs> you should just take it. Just take it while I'm gone. But you said you did fries in there, and that's what oh, I'm freaking out dude, about. Oh, dude. French fries are amazing in there. And, like, there. root vegetables. Yes. I did r- the root vegetables from Trader Joe's, like the frozen. You can take frozen, like, you know, the frozen French fries you get at the grocery store that if you bake yourself come out okay.
1: Like five of them will be
0: good. Right. They come out perfect to the point where I did these waffle fries from the store and the kids were convinced that I had gone to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> they were convinced. What about like, can you do like tater tots? Oh yeah, I'm sure. I haven't tried tater tots yet. Um, Green beans, amazing in there. Really? Asparagus, amazing.
1: And they're and, like crispy when they come out. Yes.
0: And so what I'll do, what's been great for me, the reason I'm using it so much is just, it's perfect for a single lunch. So if I'm here by myself, I put a turkey burger in there, I put some green beans in there, I close the lid, I walk away.
1: That's huge. It's huge. Because when you are by yourself during the day and you want to cook, you don't want to make a big meal in the mess.
0: No, exactly. Yeah, I am really in love with this thing. And it's adorable. It's Well, yes, I did buy – I'll link it up in the show notes and on our um, selfie Facebook community, but
1: it's teal blue. And I don't know if anyone's seen your kitchen, but like it – matches your kitchen perfectly. Well, I have been buying teal blue appliances. Yes. It's working. Because <laughs> now I think of your, I think that's like your theme. <laughs> totally.
0: Oh my gosh. So that's one, that's one of my two thumbs up. My other is the art of sport deodorant. So I have been on a natural deodorant journey. I know you have been too. Yes.
1: And but I have again, tried- You introduced this to me because you did I think it was a Facebook Live like I did. two years ago where you yes. just laid it all out. Oh, my gosh. You I tried had all tried the brands. every one of them.
0: And for me, for my, my own personal favorite is the Schmitz Charcoal. But um, my boys, I've been trying to get them on the natural donor thing. And they're convinced they don't work. <laughs> And then I have my ex convinced they don't work. So he's like, oh, your mom and the natural deodorant and you guys stink and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Super you helpful. know what? Um, the reason you stink is you don't wash or apply the deodorant.
1: Because you actually have to put the deodorant right on for it on, to work. Right. So <laughs> I don't really
0: want to hear about how it doesn't work when it looks like you've never used it. Right. So for Christmas in their stockings, the, the Art of Sport is a natural deodorant with no marketing about it being natural it is aluminum free which is you know the bad ingredient and the marketing is very sportsy it's very kind of axe body spray it is so i put it in their stockings and i didn't say a word about being natural and they were like oh we love this because i don't know some sports people that they like are like shilling it yes which of course i don't know the name of any sports people but they're very recognizable the guy with people. the ball yeah that mm-hmm. one guy mm-hmm. the, that one really famous guy yeah Um, And so I didn't say anything, and like a couple months go by, and I'm like, well, how are you guys liking that art of sport deodorant? And they're like, it's amazing. We love it. And I'm like master
1: at trolling your kids. Totally. And I'm like, (laughs) guess what?
0: It's natural. (laughs) We hate it. We hate it now. And they were like, what? So anyway, it is if you have teen boys, or it's great, it's great for adults too. I will say the scents are a bit masculine. I wouldn't wear them myself, but for a hubby, for um, for boys Art of Sport is really a good deodorant
1: and I looked at it and I, I would have never known that it was natural just basically I mean yeah. you we get so used to like you know green packaging totally and it really you would have no idea no
0: no 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 idea all right. Well, we are going to take a quick break to talk about a sponsor. And then we're going to come back with this fascinating interview um, with Richard Watts about entitlement and kids. Um, he is the author of a book called Mania, and it is very fascinating. We have a great discussion. Um, but first, Buffy. Buffy makes comforters that are better for people and the planet. They use skin-friendly eucalyptus fabric, which is so soft, and it's naturally soothing for the skin. But get this, the fill is made from 100% recycled, water bottles, BPA-free water bottles. They're transformed and given a second life as this soft, fluffy fiber. It's crazy, soft, but at the same time, it's keeping about 50 bottles out of landfills and oceans for each comforter. So their thoughtful materials and construction, shut out dust, mold, and mites. They prevent nighttime breathing of harmful allergens, and it is truly the softest and fluffiest comforter I've ever tried. Also cool about this company, they absolutely believe that bedding is personal. And so they offer the opportunity for every new customer to try a comforter out with no strings attached. You can try it for 30 days. And if you don't like it, you can send it back. So to get $20 off your first Buffy comforter, you can visit Buffy.co and enter the code SELFIE. Once again, that's B-U-F-F-Y.co. And enter Self-Eve to get $20 off your first Buffy comforter. Okay, well, I am here with Richard Watts. Really stoked to have him chatting with us about this concept of drone parenting, entitlement with our kids. Um, And we're going to actually probably talk a little bit about money and wealth and how that affects both our kids and our own um, sanity and self-care. Um, Richard, I know that this is a bit of a passion project for you. How did you fall <laughs> into talking about this kind of entitlement generation
1: thing?
2: Um, you know, I, my, my day job is, is, is as a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I, I've been practicing for 37 years. And part of what I do is I manage uh, the super wealthy mm-hmm. in, in the world, the, their families that, that have so many things going on. Some of them second, third, and fourth generation wealth. And I'm talking very extreme wealth. And I've been that guy that's had to try to make them rational. Right. And keep them from floating off into space. And when they decide to dump $50 million on their kids, Mm -hmm. understanding, helping them understand how perilous that can be. Right. And some listen and some don't. And so over a period of all of these years, I've had this ongoing everyday laboratory going. Right. And not as a psychologist but probably more hands on because uh-huh. I've been recording and seeing what's happened until you really begin to understand the perils the real real perils of well not just something that you'd say that sounds cliche right. but something that you really begin to understand the mental change in people when they win the lotto I know yeah. that I know that yeah. I know what that looks like yeah. and uh, and so that affects children and the yeah. children is the next step. And so part of the first book, Fables of Fortune, was this idea of children of entitlement. That's another mm-hmm. negative of wealth is the mm-hmm. children of entitlement. And as I began to look into that and start to write about that, which then culminated in the writing of um, it was evident to me that this was not a problem for the wealthy.
0: No, this is a not. problem
2: for all of us. It
0: is. It really is. It's interesting. I'm fascinated with um, your experiences working with The Very Wealthy because I did a stint. I My background is as a therapist. And I worked for a bit in a very high-end rehab treatment center. And what one thing I noticed without fail is the, the kids who struggled the most with addiction and with... Um, you know, really dove deep um, into you know heroin use and, and not functioning at all were the kids who had been given so much money that they didn't have to work and then they didn't have any purpose in life.
2: Yes, and yes. that was
0: something we saw over and over. And if they left the rehab and they still had you know a huge expendable income and they didn't have to go and get a job and figure out how to be industrious and find that purpose in their life, and they could just go back home and still sit around. And live off of that money. um, The recidivism rates for those kids were so much higher than the kids who left and had to go figure out life. Mm -hmm. You know, there is something too. There's, I think, a real existential stress to having too much money at Mm. a young age. There's no
2: question. Yeah, but but here's the thing that that has to be really made clear is that you know the parents want to put a lot of blame on kids for. Getting drugged out, kids sure. for being lost, kids for not being able to find their way, mm-hmm. and and kids don't become entitled on their own. Right. It's a process of parents mm-hmm. that are trying to remove the struggle from right. their kids and to make yeah. their pathway easy. Yes. And that's where the word drone parenting. You yeah, know, talk
0: I, to me about drone parenting. What is drone parenting?
2: Yeah. So so I've grown up in a world of what we called helicopter parenting. Yeah. And helicopter parenting was this loud. Uh bunch of parents that just decided they wanted to be buddies Mm -hmm. with their kids. And Mm -hmm. so they hovered around all the time. They wanted to be, they were kind of innocuous, Uh but they wanted to be at the dances. They wanted to be in the booster club and they wanted to be on the sidelines selling donuts. And everything they could be involved in, they wanted to be around their kids. Mm -hmm. But they really weren't manipulating their kids. Mm -hmm. They weren't doing anything strategic. Mm -hmm. They just were hanging out. It's kind of annoying. Yeah. Helicopter parents were annoying.
0: They were annoying, but I don't think that, you know, it sent a bunch of kids into therapy.
2: (laughs) That's a really good point. Yeah. That's a really good point. And and so now uh, it just came to me a number of years ago that Mm -hmm. the parents now, I've had as I've, I've lectured around the country and whatnot, I've had parents come and say, well, what's wrong with the fact that we have... Our child at three years old beginning to learn lacrosse because we know it's a good feeder to the Ivy League schools when they go to school in (laughs) 15 years. Don't we, isn't it a good thing that we're helping our child get ahead? And I said, who decided your child liked lacrosse? Right. Who made that decision? And Uh they go, oh, well, it's just a good all around sport. What harm can come from it? And so the drone parenting came from the concept, for me, it was really military drone. It was Mm -hmm. the idea that we send drones ahead Mm -hmm. and drones can fly stealth. Drones are always on a mission. Mm -hmm. Drones are looking with a purpose to clear the pathway for Mm -hmm. what's to come.
0: Got it. And
2: so here's mama and daddy drone. right? And they're basically saying, okay, look at my child can't see 15 years into the future. So I know what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to begin to manipulate the pathway and I'm going to be strategic about it. I'm going to be stealth about it. And in fact, I might not even tell him or her that I'm doing it because kids kind of don't know what's happening to them. They're kind of looking for mom and dad Mm -hmm. to be the ones that help initiate both, you know, difficulties, uh, initiate solutions Mm -hmm. out of difficulties, Mm -hmm. but they, they will allow you to, um, to help them and assist them or they'll allow you to fix it. Right. And what parents began to become obsessed with, and Uh I believe it was a hijacking that's occurred with parents Mm -hmm. of their kids' careers, of their kids' futures is they just decided with the best of intentions. That's the hard part. Sure. It's the best of intentions is they decided that it would really be a better thing to clear the path of all struggle. Right. Give them participation trophies so they never feel they Mm -hmm. lost. Let them never feel loss. Right. Never let them feel failure. Yeah. Let's just, because if we can just somehow focus on success, they will get there faster. Right. And what the parents are forgetting that is in giving the kids everything they didn't have They're forgetting to give the kids the things they did have. Yeah. And the things that the parents did have, mm-hmm. they had failures, they totally. had heartbreaks, yeah. they had Struggle. setbacks, yeah. they had all of these things. And the drone parenting syndrome, yes. to me, is about. I hear that just last week I heard them called snowplow parents for the first time. Oh, funny! I like drones better because I think they can fly a lot faster. Yeah, snowplow parents are just big and cumbersome. But yeah. today's parents, it evidenced by this academic scandal that's gone on, is that I they know, will what
0: a go. Timely example. Yeah,
2: they will go to such lengths and they right. become they they the parents become so lost right. in their mission yeah to heal and to to help their their children succeed
0: well and it seems like in many of these cases well first of all in you know in the academic scandal for example like it seems like Lori Laughlin's children didn't even know she did it on their behalf you know so to your point their stealth
2: yeah, and, and I don't know that Lori would have wanted them to know right? because then they become a possible snitch, yeah, accidental talker about what happened. And if you're going to do something that's crossing the line, yeah. the fewer people, including the victim, right. the child, the better.
0: Well, I think I think that, but I think also to your point about letting letting like kind of preserving kids from struggle, I don't think she wanted her daughters to know they couldn't get in on her, their own merit. Of course. You know, I think she didn't even want them to have that little struggle. Right. Of, of accepting the fact that maybe your you know your academic record did not entitle you to getting into the school.
2: Well, and if you think too that that on a real macro scale here I just I I just ache to be honest with you for that whole situation because I know that that daughter who is kind of an airhead anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, she gets up and says, I don't really want to be here. I just like the partying and totally. I like this stuff. She and did. I'm a blogger yeah. and, and now I'm going to sue my mom because she's destroyed my blogging career. Right. And all that kind of stuff. You know, I really do believe that that she's going to realize what it is to live with shame. Yeah. Not just for herself, but for her mom. It's yeah. good. People are not going to let her forget that yeah. for a long time. But here's the strange part. If she doesn't become you know, mentally upset as a result of this, the daughter. Uh This may actually be the beginning of her own maturity. Yeah. This crash, this struggle, this horrible, you know, thing that faces her, this mountain. Yeah. Maybe 10 or 15 years from now will make her wake up and say, wow, now I understand mom did this out of love. Mm-hmm. But she really screwed me. Right. And I've rebounded now, and it took me years, and I still have got this shame following me around. Mm-hmm. But I'm a different person. And when I look back at who I was when I went into college and how mom kept me from being who I should be if I got, if I really got hammered a few times in terms of guilt and failure and things yeah. and stuff. I would have been a different person quicker. Yeah. But here I am now right. at 45 right. or 50 years old. Right. And I think that, you know, it may be the beginning of her maturity as well.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think when we rob our our kids of struggle and failure and defeat, you know, then they walk into adulthood ill-equipped and life is full of failure and defeat right. and, and hardships. It really is, you know. And I think if if we don't learn to deal with those hardships and disappointments in our teen and young adult years, you know, then we walk into adulthood sort of feeling victim to the world right? because we we don't understand that the world is full. And
2: you can understand where the suicide rates up the way they are and the drug use up the way it is. It sure is. You know, when, when, when you see a child that turns into a young adult and they have had the, they've had the various different kinds of facets carved into their system, like a statue, you know, where they've yeah. been defined. Mm-hmm. And they've been defined by all these things. And they kind of, they go one way and they say, that was horrible. Mm-hmm. But I'll never do that again. Well, there's something very reassuring to your own personality when you know that you will never eat broccoli again. Uh, And I'm being facetious, but you know, I'll never ever eat broccoli. That defines me. And when I tell you that I absolutely have a complete love for cappuccinos, Mm -hmm. you know, that also is something that defines me. So, you know, maybe my world is sitting in a little piazza in Italy and having some little $3 thing of cappuccino, but That's something I know that I love. And all of those Mm -hmm. things came from having to test myself and to create self-value for me. Absolutely. By facing struggles that that define for me who I really was. And a lot of these kids, I think, that get to be 18, 20, 22, mom and dad have been telling them. They've been giving them the Kool-Aid for so long that they just go, well, okay, you know, I've never really felt bad, but... I'm not getting the job I wanted. And my gosh, this job doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And raising kids doesn't feel good. And right. I thought this was all supposed to feel good. And yet, by the time you're 25, you need to have realized through the th- struggles in your life that much of life doesn't feel good. Yeah. And it's not every day you get to feel good. Right. It's once in a while you get to feel good, but it's yeah. really worth it. Yeah. If once a week, in an hour, you get to sit back and you get tears in your eyes because you realize this is really pretty special. Yeah, what I've got, yeah. I may not have everything. Yeah, but what I've got is special. You can't get that by be- being given everything.
0: Isn't it ironic though? And it's so true that you really you don't have a sense of gratitude when you've got everything. Right. You know, I think that a lot of my gratitude in life has come from loss. Yes. And then recognizing what I have to be grateful for. I'm some of the most ungrateful students I've ever worked with were the kids who had everything. Right. Right. You know?
2: And, but it's kind of really a lot of people want to press on them. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that there's a sadness to me mm-hmm. to that because mm-hmm. here's this beautiful child. Right. That haven't been given the right to play tennis instead of lacrosse.
0: Right. No agency. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think they would have been agents of their own uplift. Yeah. And they would have wound up being people that you'd look at and go, wow, how did they get there? Yeah. You know, that's really remarkable. Right. How did they find out? And I'm being facetious that they love collecting butterflies from mm-hmm. all of the world. I think who in their right mind would do that? But you know, there's conventions of yeah. people that are into butterflies. There's yeah. conventions that are people that collect salt shakers right. and pepper shakers. Yeah. And I don't care what their passion is. Right. It's like, what? why not let them find that? Here's a really great story of a, of a client of mine that was so ashamed of their daughter mm-hmm. and she couldn't do well in high school. And they kept pressing her to college. We're going to get you to go no matter what, no matter what. She said, I like doing hair. Mm -hmm. And they said, that's a disgusting thing. That's nothing big. That's low, low budget stuff. You shouldn't be doing that. She says, but I love it. I love it. Well, they said, you're not going to do that. So she rebelled. Yeah. And through her 15, 16, 17 year old years, she was persona non grata in the family. Then she came home with a couple of tattoos, which was the end. (laughs) So at 18, mom and dad dumped her in a college and said, you get one year. Uh If you don't make it, then you're out. We're not supporting you. You're done. Well, after six months, she dropped out. And she left for Beverly Hills and she literally said, mom and dad who are rich, mm-hmm. will you pay for my cosmetology school? They said, no, wow. that's not what we want you to do. And wow. she did on her own. Mm-hmm. And she came home and started coming home with a hair purple and yellow and pink yeah. and all this stuff. And this is only like six years ago. And then all of a sudden, she got discovered by a few movie stars, mm. and they realized how much talent she had. So now she's going over and hanging out with these famous people that want them her to do her hair mm. just right. Right. And then she started bringing them home to barbecues on <laughs> down in Laguna, down on the weekends. And in walks this daughter, now 24 years old, mm-hmm. with her hair in 15. She's got piercings everywhere. Yeah. And mom and dad see her walk in with two of the most famous movie stars you'd ever want to speak of. Right. And they kind of look at all her friends and go, That's my daughter right there. Oh, that's my mother. daughter. Look at that. And and we and look at look how proud we are. And I think to myself, why not start with that?
0: I know. Why not be proud when she chooses to go into something that she feels passionate about? Yeah. Yes. I mean that's that is a really sad story. Yeah,
2: but a wonderful story.
0: Yeah. Because I mean, ultimately she, now she she's
2: off. kind of shown mom and dad yeah. that your way was not my way. Right. And I think that that may be that's something that I'm beginning to realize, even in the last couple of weeks, is that there's no counterculture in this generation. Mm -hmm. My generation Mm -hmm. had a counterculture that said, "Mom and Dad, screw you! Right, we're out of here. Yeah, this is we're hippies. We're leaving. We're born barefoot. We're having free this and free that. We're not. We're dropping out of everything. Mm -hmm. And through that process, we learned." the depths, like, an, like an, an addict. You learn the depths of who you are. Right. And after a while, you go, you know what? Doing drugs all day long, it really doesn't work. Yeah. You know, having no job and not eating right. really doesn't not work. Not sustainable. Yeah, it doesn't, not yeah. a great model. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you saw the hippies turn into yuppies. Yeah. Young urban professional right. back into suits and ties. Right. And the moms and dads are going, shame on you for being back here after. Well, we found out it didn't work. Sure. But we needed to object, we needed mm-hmm. to move away from. Yeah. And yet I think in right now in this world that my generation, and I apologize for this, my generation has usurped and hijacked the control over personalities at such a young age yeah. that we're not really giving them the chance to object. They kind of yeah. don't, they think objection is failure. Yeah. If I drop out, then I'm failing. Yeah. And And in my world, dropping out was a sign of like, Macho, it's like right. a sign of, you know what? Yeah. I'm standing on my own principles yeah. here. We're going to go burn a couple of flags too, which was horrible. I would really be angry now to see someone do that. <laughs> I really object to I yeah. never did that, but I mean, my yeah. generation did it. Yeah. So that's all the discovery process that we yeah. look for that strengthens people and and parents today need to recognize that that uh, that all of these struggles, getting second place, getting a C on an mm-hmm. exam, being bullied a little bit here yeah. and there, all of these things are are really opportunities to begin to utilize those as iron sharpening iron, where right. you can literally use those as a tool and say, look, at, mm-hmm. I remember my dad saying this all the time, Richard, figure it out. Yeah. Wait a minute, he punched me in the face. I need a lawsuit against the principal and everybody. <laughs> no, just go figure it out. Yeah. And eventually I realized that going up to a guy bigger than me and calling him some bad name, was probably not a good way to avoid getting my face punched. <laughs> and so you learn yeah. from stuff and you learn yeah. to be respectful from stuff like that. But I really respect the fact that some parents are willing. It's very tough mm-hmm. to allow that struggle to come into their yeah. lives and just be affirming. Yeah. I remember my dad's number one thing he said to me, and he's been gone 25 years, and I hear him always saying, the cream always rises to the top. So as long as you know who you are and you're the cream, you may feel like you failed here. Mm-hmm. But eventually, right. you'll continue You're to fine. rise. And that was a yeah. very affirming thing Yeah, that stayed with me for a long, long time. And so in the depths of my failures, mm-hmm. I always know that there's a place to go to rebound.
0: That's good. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, something else that comes to mind in this whole thing is I, I feel like my generation of parents has this emphasis on college, which is well-meant, you know? And, I mean, sure, we all want to see more kids go to college, um, but I think it sets up the standard that college is really the only way that you can succeed mm-hmm. when, you know, there's so many great trade schools. I mean, the cosmetology is a great example. Um, you know, and I do think that some students will find that they're not interested in college, um, or, you know, the aptitude isn't there. And I think it's important for us to also encourage alternative paths, mm-hmm. you know, that not every kid is going to play lacrosse and go to USC.
2: Right because
0: they don't want to or because they don't have the aptitude or because the passion isn't there. And it's like, I think parents get really fixed on this is the one path to right. success. Right,
2: right, I agree. It's the only way. And the metaphor that I use for that, and it's, it's apropos on the West Coast, is a riptide. Yeah. We have on the coast a thing called a riptide, and a lot of people in the East don't know about that, but a riptide is something mm-hmm. that, you know, it's, it's an anomaly where the, the water is pulling you away from the beach. Yeah. And the one thing they tell you to do is in a riptide, don't swim directly to the beach because mm-hmm. you'll exhaust yourself. Right. Well, in your comment that you just made, parents have kind of, Taken, become members of this academic cult yeah. where they're telling their kids the only way to the beach yeah. is through that riptide. And right. I know many of you are not going to make it. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to get into Yale. There's only 4% acceptance of qualified applications. You're probably, maybe, maybe not going to make it, but by God, if you mm-hmm. don't, You're not gonna, you're not gonna reach the beach. Yeah. And what anybody knows about a riptide and what kids, you watch them beating each other up trying to get through this tide. Like, I gotta win. I gotta win. Mm -hmm. And one by one, they're dropping off Mm -hmm. because they can't sustain it. Kids are hurting themselves because they can't sustain it. And, and everyone knows that in a riptide, what they counsel you to do is stop swimming. Mm -hmm. allow yourself to drift away from this ridiculous current Mm -hmm. down the beach a hundred yards and then find that there's a lot of different ways to access the beach than through riptide. So here we are with, as you said, parents directing our kids that this is the way Mm -hmm. and with the best of intention. They really truly are doing it. Mm -hmm. But what I don't think they're realizing is that our mission as a parent is to be a parent. Not to gain something for ourselves, not to gain recognition for ourselves, yes. but to help them realize the tough lessons of life. Yeah. And yeah. what I've said to my kids since they're about eighteen years old is I've and they hate me saying this is I always say you know your dad's not always going to be here. Mm-hmm. They go, Dad, just shut. Up. <laughs> you know, don't. You're you're young and this is then you know a yeah. long time ago. This is fifteen years ago, and uh, and I said no, I'm I'm not always going to be here, and I need to equip you. Totally. As best I can, because the thing that will make me the happiest is that when I'm gone, Mm -hmm. that you have this tool bag around your waist of life skills and that you can pull one of those out because you've encountered it before. Mm -hmm. And the greatest disservice I could do for you is if I didn't prepare you Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you got to be without dad and you have something horrific happen in your life. And I don't know how you how you get through it. And I don't want to be responsible for that. And I don't think parents are thinking like that right now.
0: No, I don't think they are. I think they're, you know, I think... I think parents want their kids to do well, but I think they have maybe a narrow view of what doing well looks like. Yes. And it may not always be with the child in mind. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, I feel like if you already have a plan for what you think your child will do for a living when they're under fourteen or fifteen, yes. it's probably misguided.
2: Well and know? I and I'll say something else too that I get a little little pushback on, but I truly believe it. You know, one of the symptoms I think of, of entitle mania mm-hmm. is when parents utilize this concept of my child's my best friend. Oh yeah. I think it's really dangerous ground. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's unfair because you have superior knowledge yeah. over your child and they should go find best friends that are their peers Totally. because they can relate to each other and they don't give each other the answers. Yeah. They struggle through the mm-hmm. questions. And they come up with an answer. That's right. As your quote unquote best friend where you want to just all be together all the time, you're kind of robbing your child of that search.
0: Yeah. I think you know that, and then what I also see, I mean, this was evidenced in, you know, there was a scandal here in our own school system of, you know, a group of kids having a big party, beer pong, swastika, you know, in the shape of a swastika, and that made the national news. But, you know, the the kind of racist imagery aside the reality is a group of parents threw a drinking party yes. for, their, for their young kids right for their 15 16 year old kids they threw a drinking party yes. And i think this is another example of parents entitling their kids of just like i won't i won't let you struggle but at the same time i'll i'll provide you I, it's so important to me that you're popular and cool right that i'll break the law i'll you know Go against conventional wisdom just to make sure that you're partying and cool and you know they're in the mix with everyone else
2: yes the codependency oh gosh, yeah. and the enabling of the yep. parents how to not be codependent yeah and how to let their child alone yes and let them yes. find the bottom on yeah. their own instead mm-hmm. of always rescuing them right before they reach bottom if you start rescuing your children mm-hmm. from things that they would learn, hey, that doesn't feel good. That's not yeah. a good thing. This yeah. is not a good, that's not a good. You begin to say, okay, to my peer, you're going to go do, you're going to drink a whole bunch of alcohol. I'm not going to do that. And the mm-hmm. reason I am is because one time I did it my parents and I vomited my guts out mm-hmm. and my parents didn't throw me into rehab. They sat with me and affirmed me and, and told me, this is the consequence of what happens when you do this. And right. so you begin to take ownership. A little more of your life, yeah, and and I think that that as parents we start very very early with problems that to the right child becomes an addiction, right, and to the right child meaning in a wrong way, but the, mm-hmm. but the 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 type of child that qualifies or that doesn't have the self esteem, uh, you know, they get into all kinds of drug use.
0: Well, yeah, because I mean people. You know, the people that are most susceptible to drug use, obviously, there's a biological component or yes. predisposition. Yes. Um, but at the end of the day, drug use is about avoidance of pain and an inability to walk through life's pain. Right. And so when we don't prepare our kids to know how to walk through pain and right. walk through struggle, then they are going to walk into adulthood having no tools in their toolbox. And, okay, well, drinking looks like a good tool.
2: Mm-hmm. Or, and everybody else but, is yeah. doing it. Yeah. And no one's saying it's a bad thing. Right. And it's kind of a cool thing.
0: Yeah. And then then you find, you know, that that becomes the kid with that predisposition who who can't drink like their college peers, who can't leave it to just the weekends or just the parties. Right. And then they're waking up to drink because... They're in pain and they don't know how to deal with that pain.
2: Well, and you might have one child that is really academically challenged. Yes. Who starts drinking versus a kid that's a straight A student that starts drinking. And he continues to get accolades and he continues to play football and doing whatever he does. And the other kid that doesn't have the tools continues to feel failure. And now he's got a crutch. Now he's got something to take him out
0: of any future
2: effort where that guy with the C's Mm -hmm. might have been the best mechanic, might have owned a machine shop. Yeah. And, you know, some of my favorite people in my life growing up, seriously, were people that were technically oriented people. Yeah. And weren't so doggone academic because Which academics okay. sometimes yeah. kind of follow the trend of everybody else's thinking.
0: Yeah. It's funny. I was having a conversation with a friend just last night about um, the fact that he and two of his close friends dropped out of college. hmm and they're all three very successful as
2: adults. Yes. You know, they
0: found a different path.
2: Yeah. And and had conviction about the path because yeah. they made the move to drop out. Yeah. Sometimes when you say, I'm going to quit. Yeah. And I'm going to go do this. Yeah. There's a conviction about succeeding at what you now want to do. Yeah. If you tell me to go do it, I don't have any conviction. <laughs> right. You know, so I don't true. have any conviction it's at so all. True. But, you know, you have to kind of keep the possibilities in mind mm-hmm. to give you the incentive to duct... Tape your mouth and your body to a chair and let your kids just feel their life once in a while.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, I do think that every parent has to be very aware of suicidality because the rates are high right now. Every parent has to be very aware of drug addiction because the rates are very high right now. And really, that's where we need to be doing our research, not on how to get our kid into the best school. Or exactly. How to get them a sports scholarship, I think. And all that is fine if you, if you have the time and your child has a passion. But I think we really need to be educating ourselves on the psychological components of codependency mm-hmm. and how to equip our kids to be. Strong, you know emotionally strong human beings, right? That's that's our number one goal and right. then trying to get them to Go to our college choice can be you know, yes a, That can be a bonus, right? I have one last question for you, which is a, Good. a bit of a doozy, but Because um, <laughs> I'm sure you could spend an hour on this But what are some of the boundaries that you think that parents should put in place to avoid this entitle mania thing?
2: Okay, so so I don't know if boundaries. If if there if the answer to that is a boundary, then it would be a boundary that the parent is imposing on themselves,
0: mm.
2: not a boundary on the children. Um, I really do believe within within reason, your kids are capable of doing what they need to do, and they're they're going to react to the natural consequences of what happens. Um, I've actually had both of my sons who are both got. Postgraduate degrees have been in jail at one point or another, mm-hmm. uh, where they got arrested for drinking or got arrested for doing something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I let them sit like yeah. overnight. Yeah. And, you know, now you get a parenting issue, right? Because yeah. mom and dad say, you oh, know, go get them out. I mean, they're right. really good kids. And I go, nah, they need to remember what this looks I like, right? I told
0: my kids the same thing. Yeah. If so you're ever re- arrested, you will sit there. Yeah,
2: it's good for the night. <laughs> and whatever happens, happens. But I think probably the two causes of mania are giving too much and taking away the struggle. Yeah. Those are the two things. Those are the big ones. And so the boundaries have to be related to those. Got it. And the boundary with regard to giving too much is really about... Practicing not having. Mm. A parent needs to model what it is they're trying to teach. Right. So part of my world for my kids has been always rejecting some of the things I could have, and I do it verbally, where I go, you know, dad really could get a new car right now, but right. you know, it's just not good to always have the newest of the newest yeah. of the new. So I'm not going to do that. And I verbalize that, and I've done that yeah. my whole life. And you know, we could go out and get more furniture because we can afford it now or we could put it on credit or all these mm-hmm. things that people do. Right. Um, we're not going to do that because we really think that it's not a necessary. Mm-hmm. We're going to show the maturity and the teaching moment that not having. Yeah. Yeah is a good thing. Some of the richest guys in history have been really good at that. The you know, the Sam Waltons of the world driving the the 20-year-old right. Nissan right. Datsun truck and all that kind of stuff. So I think on the on the giving too much, it's really about modeling the proper behavior. That's good. That's a boundary. That yeah. says do yeah. not always give in to everything that you want. Right. Um and the second thing which is the struggle, the boundary really there is to begin to recognize that these opportunities that are coming to your kids in the way of failure are, are opportunities and, and and places where they can grow. Yep. And you need to stand back as hard as it is. Yeah. And you need to not engage your process, which means I'm going to go to the teacher and complain. You know, I'm maybe you go to the teacher. I, I really do believe you should go to the teachers nowadays and say, look it, you know, I'm not sure I'm doing everything right as a parent. Mm-hmm. You're the teacher. What is it I could do better? Yeah. My sister was a teacher for 30 years, and when a, when a parent finally asked her that in year 30, she cried so hard in front of the parent that she wow. couldn't answer. Wow. She said, everyone's telling me that I'm not doing this, and I'm not. My kids have bad manners. That's your fault, mm-hmm. the teacher. My kids aren't learning. That's your fault. Mm-hmm. And it was really about behavior and about the parents and the parents' expectations. Yeah. And, you know, that, that in this taking away the struggle... We need to realize that teachers aren't at fault for all of the stuff they have. It's not always someone else's fault yeah. that your kids not doing as well as you think they ought to do. So the second part of taking away the struggle really would be more about just allowing those effects to occur to mm-hmm. your kids and realizing that it's a you're putting it away for a future that's going to make your child stronger. Yeah. And in that process, and this is another dynamic for taking away the struggle, is Share your fears and share your failures with your kids. So good. Tell yeah, them, you know totally. what, mommy didn't do really well on this yeah. deal. You know, I remember when I was doing this thing, I really mm-hmm. did lousy. Mm-hmm. I hope you do better at math than I did because mm-hmm. you because parents are going, Oh no, 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 no. I'll lie about that because right. I want my kid to think math is an absolute got to do. Mm-hmm. But I think it's comforting once in a while when my dad yeah. would say to me, you know, Rich, you do this better than I do. Mm-hmm. I never did this too well. It's like, wow, that yeah. made me proud. Yeah. And that's really what I'm trying to instill in my kids is mm-hmm. just self-sufficiency, self-value, and self-pride. And they need yeah. to earn that on their own.
0: They do. So good. Well, Richard, where can people find Entitlement Mania?
2: Entitlemania is everywhere. So, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And and if you... Entitlemania.com is one of my websites. And that has... You can buy it there through Amazon. But it's got a lot of the articles that I write. And I think there's Great. a lot more information there. There's like yeah. 100 or so articles I've written for periodicals and magazines and things. And I just think you can kind of leaf through there and get some information. Yeah. And and, uh, and I'm always happy to connect if somebody's interested in a question or something. So.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much. You're very it's welcome. So good to have you on. Good.
2: Thank Thanks you. Thanks for
0: joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us over at Instagram at at selfiepodcast.com.